John chapter 15, if you would, beginning in verse 13 with me. Jesus says this, Greater love has no man than this, that, he lay, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord does. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known to you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, ordained you, that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Verse 17, these things I command you, that you love one another. And love sometimes steps up to that place of sacrifice. Would you agree? And I thank you that there are people who may not know us and love us personally, but they do love our country. They love what we stand for. I'm so thankful for all of our young men and women that are serving in the armed forces. Jorgen was here last week on, on leave from the Navy. Now he's back in Virginia being trained to go on an aircraft carrier. My son Austin was here two weeks ago and uh, who is now still serving in the Air Force. And so uh, Nick Lee's still in the Air Force and uh, others that are just serving around the world and uh, as a part of our church and our outreach here and so uh, we keep a bulletin board out there try to keep it up to date of our servicemen but we are thankful fortunately we we are a blessed church amen in that we have not had to uh, all, all of our young men have come home and, uh, but some of us, I have high school friends that served in Vietnam that did not make it home. And uh, so we all have friends and family that we know and loved ones that were lost. So we want to uh, uh, take this moment this morning to remember. And so I'm asking to turn the house lights off. If they would, we can leave these lights on. And then I want you to watch this first clip this morning.
If I could, I'd like to read the whole Gettysburg Address to you this morning. It, uh, my friend Tim Delina made a post, and it talked about Abraham's speech. There's uh, 214 words in this speech. There was a man that spoke before him, and uh, his message. There were several people that spoke on that day, but his uh, speech had over 4,000 words in it. And we hear nothing of that speech. None of you know his name probably, have heard any quotes from that speech or anything, but this one short passage of memory that was dedicated in 1863, four months after the Battle of Gettysburg there in Pennsylvania in the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln made this statement, you've heard most, but four score and seven years ago our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hollow this ground. The brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated it, far above our poor power to add or to detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us the living rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task of re remaining before us, that from those honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, that no government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Amen? Hallelujah. And I messed up and didn't print out the last part that was up there, that they will have not have laid their sacrifice on the altar of our freedom in vain. Amen? Praise the Lord. So follow with me, if you would, on your outline. What do we learn from history? If we do not learn, we are doomed to repeat it. What we do not learn through the wisdom of the pain, failures, and experiences of others, we learn through our own. What we allow to be forgotten and to slip from its place of prominence in our lives and in our hearts, we'll be reminded of through the pain and neglect. What we choose to reject on principle will be taught to us through the pain of experience. Amen? To Tocqueville said this, he said, America's great because America's good. If America ever ceases to be good, it will cease to be great. How many know we are on the verge of that today? 
Alexis de Tocqueville was a French philosopher who came to America in the 1800s to see for himself what made America great. The foundation of our greatness to him was not found in the bounty of our land, in the riches of our commerce, or in the vastness of our borders, but rather in the righteousness of our churches and when their pulpits were ablaze with fire. Would to God again our churches would reunite the fire of righteousness. Would you agree with me? The Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation. Let us remember this Memorial Day, the lives that were given and are still on the line today. We may be in what our president has declared a withdrawal, but we have men and women on the battle line today. And Boston was a reminder that the battle lines aren't just on foreign fields, but they're also on our domestic soil. Would you agree with me today? We are not fighting an enemy who stands in set engaged ranks, who dresses in a uniform, who says, this is the battlefield, I will meet you there, and these are the rules of engagement. The rules of engagement have no definition. They are to strike terror. They are to strike fear. They are to move against you. They are a sworn enemy against all who disagree with them. And so we are in a battle, and on this day and at this hour, people who aren't even think they are involved and who think they can be a conscientious objector in the enemy's age of this war, eyes of this war, there is no such thing as a conscientious objector. Everybody is a target. We don't just fight soldier against soldier. This is a battle against the innocence of humanity. And so it's important for us to understand that. So we are still, we still have men and women who are on the front line today. And they are there to preserve the freedoms we enjoy. Tomorrow most of us will enjoy a day off from work. Because as we, we as a nation will pause to remember those who have died to preserve and protect our freedom. But freedom is not free. Would you agree? Freedom is not free. If you ever get the opportunity, I would encourage uh, every person, especially anybody that has an attitude against our nation, should have to go to Arlington Cemetery, should have to go through and meet the guys that protect the tomb of the unknown soldier and talk to those guys. One of the highest honors in, 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 in the military for those Marines is to be able to get to the place where they can serve and protect that tomb there and, and work in that honor guard. It's an amazing, amazing uh, place. I've never been there that I haven't been broken. I've been blessed to be there several times and, and it is an amazing, it is a humbling. You cannot walk through that cemetery that goes from the inception of the first of our civil war and, and or the war of independence and all that we had, our civil war, and see the hundreds of thousands of graves that are there and even all the way up to our current conflict and the graves that are there it is amazing when we were there I've seen several uh, uh, funerals at, at the time we were there just some amazing things that take place but it, it, it's humbling when you think this is the price of our freedom amen and uh, tomorrow I've stood in the amphitheater there and uh, where our president will be and and deliver this the, the, the prayer hopefully shows up this year and uh, amen and uh, but my favorite president, President Reagan, in my lifetime, other great men, but one day President Reagan showed up, and this was his prayer on that day. For some of us here today, our 
Love is the unquenchable, unforgetting love of a wife or child for a fallen father, of a mother or father for a fallen son. For others of us, this love, while more distant, is still anguished and grieving. Ours is a love for a fallen countryman who died so that we, a free people, might live and this great nation endure. Even as we hear these words, we understand again their inadequacy. We appreciate a new Lincoln's humble wisdom at Gettysburg. When brave men die, it is their deeds, not our words, that are remembered. It is their sacrifice, not our brief recollection, that offers everlasting testimony to their love for others, their love for us. But we're human, and today we know such great heartache. So we come to this place to seek the simple assurance of each other and the hope of finding a higher meaning, a greater purpose. And let us remember a final duty, to understand that these men made themselves immortal by dying for something immortal. That theirs is the best to be asked of any life, a sharing of the human heart, a sharing in the infinite. In giving themselves for others, they made themselves special. Not just to us, but to their God. Greater love than this has no man than to lay down his life for his friends. And because God is love, we know he was there with them when they died, and that he is with them still. We know they live again not just in our hearts, but in his arms. And we know they've gone before to prepare a way for us. So today we remember them in sorrow and in love. We say goodbye. And as we submit to the will of him who made us, we pray together the words of scripture, Lord, now let thy servants go in peace. Thy word has been fulfilled. So many of you have known long months of separation from your loved ones, from those young men who were separated by distance, by miles of land and ocean. Now you are separated again, not just by territorial limits, but because they have stepped through that door that God has promised all of us. They do live now in a world where there is no sorrow no pain and they await us and we shall all be together again god bless you
Every year when we do this, I remember the trip we took to first time to Washington, D.C. with our Christian school and at that time and Tony Shoy was working for us and we went to the Vietnam Memorial. We kept working with our travel guy. We need to get there. We need to get there and uh, tried to get there while it was daylight and uh, we didn't make it. So it was back when cell phones were first coming out. Today on the iPhone, you have like a LED. <laughs> we got like flashlights, you blind people with them. But then you just had the screen light, the luminescent of your screen. And uh, so we found, we were able to find uh, Tony's dad's name on the Vietnam Memorial Wall. I remember watching as his granddaughter Sarah's there and they have the pencil and the piece of paper and they're doing the, the lead etching of his name on that memorial. And uh, there are things that not only are etched in stone, but there's some things that need to be etched upon our hearts as well. Amen? And memories. And uh, I've been, we've had the privilege to go to the, uh, the Arizona Memorial there at Pearl Harbor and stand and, and, and remember those who fell on that day when we were attacked. And uh, it's just important that we remember those times and what great liberty we have. And uh, I'm thankful that we have freedom of speech. Amen? But sometimes we need that speech needs to be seasoned with more gratitude than it is. Praise the Lord. Jesus said something to his disciples on the night that of his betrayal as they ate the Passover meal. He told them to keep in remembrance, to keep this meal in remembrance of him. There are certain events and truth and values in our lives that must never be forgotten. Not only must they be preserved, but they must be passed on to the next generation as well. We have a solemn duty to pass this memorial on to our children and to our children's children as well, that they remember. Sometimes we get too distant and too far removed. And like we said at the open, if we don't remember it, we are destined to repeat it. So the price that has been paid for our freedom as a nation and the price that was paid for our deliverance from sin are the core values of our lives. Knowing why both are important and teaching their value to to each generation is imperative to preserving what too many have taken for granted. Abraham Lincoln said, When brave men die, it is their sacrifice, not our words, that is remembered. It is their sacrifice, not our brief recollection, that offers everlasting testimony of their love for others and of their love for us. We will not remain free just because of what was done once, but because we understand why it was done, and we too are willing to live, to fight, and even die if need be to preserve that freedom. Which is why as a pastor I am so proud of our young men and women that have enlisted and served. We are not in a draft season. We are in a voluntary, every one of our men and women in service are there by voluntary choice. Amen? And this applies both to our national freedom and our spiritual as well. The history of the nations and of the church reveals the design of destruction set against them. Both have an adversary. America has an adversary and the church has an adversary. When a people are lulled to sleep in seasons of peace and prosperity, they tend to lower their defenses and think there is no need to maintain a strong defense. How many know 9-11 was a wake-up call for America? And we were in the midst and the height of our prosperity and our boom as a nation, one of our highest peaks. And yet we were aware that there are people who were warring against us. 
The resources in that time can be more effective if allocated elsewhere, we're being told. And that's part of what's happening today. That we have, I'm sorry, that I, I wish I could do something about stupid in Washington. I wish there was something we could do. What, what would really be good if people would get informed and vote intelligently. Because we complain about, as a nation, not us as a church here, we are a microcosm, hopefully an intelligent one. But as a nation, we complain, but we're complaining about the bimbos that we put in the place. And we have the power to remove them, but for some reason, these guys stay there for centuries. We have term limits, and they retire after 45 years. That, that's a... How does that work? Moving right along. Listen to me. What we do not maintain through vigilance will be lost through complacency. Not just as our nation. My friend, what you do not maintain in your walk with Christ through a vigilant, dedicated, committed lifestyle will be lost through your complacency as well. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9 declares that God is not willing that any should perish. Just as sure as our military fights should preserve the freedom and protection of the citizens of this nation, we must, as the army of the Lord, fight for the souls of men and women. How many are thankful that there are men and women defending you against an adversary? But the Bible says that we are the army of the Lord and we are equipped for battle. And there are innocent men and women that need believers like you and I to go to battle for their freedom as well. That we would not only just be the hearers, but we would be those that are engaged in the fight for their eternal souls and their eternal freedom as well. Thank you for that. Amen. These are people who live. They live, fight, and die that none may perish. We must do the same. God's heart is for the lost, for the lost compels us to a life of service. Their heart for our freedom does the same. The greatness of our nation is the righteousness of its people and their convictions to defend the truth. Hear me, revival will not come to our nation until we are broken in heart for the lost of our world. Not the world as a whole, but the world of our city. Somewhere, Solid Rock facing it right here, we would have to start and look at our city and look at our community and a brokenness be found in us for the loss that we are in contact with daily. When we can become so professional and good at what we do that we can perform and not even know if God is with us. What would happen to us, our community and our world if we saw our surroundings through the awareness that God wants everyone we see to know Him? Do you understand that? My Bible says that Jesus declared that God so loved the world. Nicodemus came to Him and declared, God so loved the world. We've all learned it. We learned it in Sunday school. We have people like, like Justin and Victoria that taught it to us, that were loving on kids and taught it to our first memory verse probably was John three sixteen. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believe on Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? God wants every person saved. What if we saw the world through those eyes? Many today do not believe in the responsibility of fighting for the freedom of others. 
We as a nation have always been on the side of the oppressed wherever they live. As a one nation under God, one thing about that, if you move, it's no different when something inside of you and I moves. When we hear about a tornado sweeping through Moore, Oklahoma, when you hear about devastation, when you hear about Hurricane Sandy or Katrina, something inside of you moves with compassion to help those people. And it's no different than when you hear about what's happened in Uganda, when you hear about what's happened in Afghanistan, when you hear about political and, and, and military uh, engagements and abuse and catastrophes and deaths and genocide, we need to move to that aid and assistance as well. And because we are a Christian nation, I'm sorry our president doesn't want to acknowledge that and declare publicly that we are not, but I'm sorry, Mr. President, we are a Christian nation. We are one nation under God. Amen. And that's what moves us. That's why we have had the foreign policy that we have to move on behalf of those who cannot defend themselves or who are being oppressed by tyrannical rulers or dictators or oppressive leadership. Would you agree? And it is right and it is just. It is not nation building. It is defending humanity because the same way that we fought for the liberty of a whole people here on our own soil and ended slavery, we need to have that same stance against any type of slavery anywhere or any oppression anywhere on the earth. Thank you for that. Amen as well. Praise the Lord. Amen. So Jesus as our Savior had and has the very same heart. Acts 10.38, my Bible says that Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. How many know that's our heart and that's our passion as believers? Like the Lord, our weapons of our warfare are not to conquer and to destroy, but to liberate the captive. Luke 4.18, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. And the essence of that was to set captives free. We do not instigate the conflict, but we do engage the enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. Would you agree? Oh, we don't. As a nation, we don't go out and start wars. None of our young men, have done, we didn't instigate it, but we are there to defend. Today as a nation, we still enjoy the life, the freedoms, and liberties purchased by the lives and sacrifices of others on our behalf. We are protected by men and women who volunteer for service to their nation to defend and secure that freedom for all. If you have ever served in the military, you are to be honored and to be remembered for your service to others. Would you watch this definition of a soldier today? This is a soldier. When our country needed them, they stepped forward from the crowd and then they looked back at us and said, I will protect you. This is a soldier. They said, I'll do it. Whether it's my boots in the mud, my charter in the sea, or my eyes in the sky, I'll go on your behalf. I'll stand shoulder to shoulder with your brother, with your sister. I will laugh with them. I will cry with them. I will fight with them. I will even die with them. This is a soldier. So they cut their hair. They changed their names. They took their orders. They got up at four, stayed up till twelve the next day. 
They ran, they sweat, they pushed, they hauled, they marched, they yelled. They served, they beat their chest. They stood in our place. This is a soldier. They sacrificed their time, sometimes their lives. Lives cut short in the name of the red, white, and blue. Lives cut short because our freedoms depend on it. This is a soldier. So today, we, the church, honor you. You who are left behind to carry on their name, to carry on their memory, to carry on their flag. We are the church, so we mourn with those who mourn. We are the church, so we care for the widows and orphans. We are the church, so we honor those who have fallen in service, and honor to you, widows and orphans of war, honor to you, the mothers and fathers who battle on, honor to your greatest of sacrifices, may God bless you. God bless America. Come on, if you agree, would you just give the Lord a praise this morning? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, the parallels between the church and serving our country are amazingly similar. The church can be and do no less. The church is built on and through the lives of those who believe in the cause of Christ with the same conviction as the cause of freedom. They choose to volunteer their lives and live a life of service for the cross. They are willing to live, fight, and if need be, die to protect and to defend the freedom purchased by one for all. I wish I could draft everybody into service. Amen. But the kingdom of God is that volunteer army as well. The kingdom of God, like our nation, does not have a draft. It asks for volunteers. What motivates people to volunteer for service? It is when we personally become aware of the truth and the fact that someone thought my life and freedom was worth giving their life for. On the cross... And on the field of battle. When it comes to Christ, to Him we were worth dying for. To me, He is worth living for. He didn't just believe in me, He lived and died for me. I choose the same. My life for His glory. I choose the crucified life of service. I stand, I rise, I give my life, as one song said. When it comes to our men and our women of service, to them we were worth dying for. 
To me, they are worth living a life that respects their sacrifice. They don't just use their freedom, they defend it. They are not the ones who have li- they are the ones who have lived and died that I might be free. So I choose to live a life that makes a difference and honors their. Would you agree? Amen. I choose to stand and rise and give my life. If you would, watch this last clip. You know, there's a story about a guy named Joshua. From the Bible? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. God told him to build a memorial out of stones. Yeah, the stones were to be a reminder of this great thing that God had done. So we know it's not the same thing, but we were wondering if we could remember your dad with you. Remember all the great things he's done. Sure. So this one here, this one's for remembering a great friend. This is uh, for his part in keeping my kids safe at night. You got one? Not yet. Not yet? Okay. Um, this one's for him being the reason I even know anything at all about the Bible. <laughs> yeah, me too, actually. This is for dragging us to church that first time. This is for freedom to worship and his sacrifice for that. This one's for not letting his best friends stay mad at each other. You know, he loved the simple things. Things like people getting to speak their mind or having dreams and pursuing them. This is for defending those things. You know, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. I want to. It's okay, buddy. Just take your time then. This one's not just for my dad, but for all the people like him who helped protect their country. I'll skip to that one. could come back to the keyboard. You have never met. I think that was one of being at the Vietnam Wall with Tony and finding the name of her father. Maybe you've known somebody who's lost a loved one that way and walk with them through that. I thankful for men we have in our congregation who have served Ernie Franco who serves almost every week with our children is a two-time Purple Heart from the Vietnam War and 
different men and women that have served so faithfully and defended our nation. We're blessed people. Amen? We're so blessed. And so important that we remember the freedom that we have. And it's so important that we remember our Savior as well with the same degree. And that we remember that people's freedom, those that we're remembering here, they thought freedom was worth giving their all to. It's my prayer for you today that something would remember. I think I'm saved because of men and women who believed in the cause of Christ and kept this message going in the same way that men and women have defended the freedom of our nation. If there had been a generation or a time when people say, well, church is no big deal, it doesn't matter, you know. But the cause of our spiritual freedom has been just as important. We have missionaries who have fought this war on foreign fields. I forget the one missionary. I wish I could remember his name. I get a couple guys. It wasn't Jim Elliott. It was a different missionary. But he went to a tribe in a foreign jungle. And the pilot that took him there, he said, Sir, if you guys go in there, you will surely die. And he looked back at this guide and he said, Sir, we died before we came here. And they were willing to go. The gospel meant that much that they were willing to go and preach the gospel of freedom to a man's soul. To a people who might not receive them and might even kill them for that. I shared a few weeks ago on Tuesday night that David Platt, pastor in the Midwest, wrote a book called Radical, Rescuing Your Faith from the American Gospel. But he talked about prior to becoming a pastor, he was in India at a Bible school graduation. And at this Bible school, before you could graduate, you had to go to a region in India where the gospel had never been preached. It may have been a Hindu or a Muslim area, something like that, but they had never heard the gospel. And you had to go there and you had to plant a church there. And you had to get at least 30 converts to Christ. You had to reach 30 people. And once you had established that, then you'd come back and that, that was your term paper, so to speak, to graduate, your final exam. He said he sat there during the graduation service, and as they were reading the names, watching all these people walk across the pulpit, he realized, wait a minute, every one of these people has gone to a region where the gospel's never been preached, put their life on the line to do that. And they said all of a sudden the name was read and nobody walked. And he realized that that person had given their life for the gospel. And it's so important that we know how powerful this truth is. There's something about that God did in America, guys. I believe our nation was raised up for one reason. God raised up America for one reason that we would send missionaries around the world. 
that we would be a nation of free worship and out of that men and women would be sent around the world America was great when the church was great and we were sending missionaries around the world we were raised up for this we have to defend this amen would you bow your heads with me today maybe you're here today and you feel like you're in an embattled country life has come at you from every direction and you wonder if there's any hope for rescue God's word to you is that he loves you so much that he gave his only son that if you would believe on him today you would not perish but you would have everlasting life God's word today to you is he has freedom for you if you'll receive his rescue if you'll surrender your life say Lord I need a savior say yes to him with your heart Let him save you. Let him rescue you. Let him set you free today. If you're here today, if there's one here, Christ is not your Savior, but you know you need a Savior today. Today you're willing to receive him as your Savior. You'd say, Pastor, I know I'm here today. Today's my day. God brought me this place. I need His freedom in my life. I need a Savior. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, that's you. Would you just raise your hand? I pray with you if there's one here today. Anybody? Amen. That everybody's saying you know Him as your Savior. Then I want to challenge you today. The freedom we have did not come free. Freedom in our spirits, freedom to worship God, this freedom we've enjoyed here this morning came at a price. It came at a price of those who had defended our nation and it came at a price of those who have lived for the cross and for the cause of Christ. I challenge you, will you choose to live, to stand, to give your life for Christ? I challenge you to volunteer into service, to take your service to a new level, to enlist. Maybe you, you were enlisted at one time, you backed off, but I challenge you. Re-enlist, re-engage. Let's defend this freedom. Let's take this call. Let's shake this county with the cause of freedom for every man, woman, and child, for every home, for every marriage, for every life. Let's enlist to serve. Father, this morning I pray for your people. I pray for the church, Father. Thank you for coming by your grace this morning. Thank you for bringing words of knowledge and healing and deliverance to people's lives this morning. Thank you for ministering to brokenness, Father. Thank you for touching our lives. Thank you for bringing the word that you brought this morning, that you give us that exchange of our sin for your redemption. Thank you, Father, for being here with us today. Lord, I pray 
that each of us will say yes to you with all that we have. We'll live to carry this cause of freedom. Father, help us rise to responsibility, not only in the church, but in our nation, to be people who stand for the cause of freedom for this great nation. We say yes to you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.